Hello, and welcome to Cornerstone's High School Ministry Podcast. This message, given by Colton Moore and Rebecca Cochran, is called The Image, and deals with us being made in God's image. It is the first message in our Kings and Queens series. So I went to the Bible, and I went into the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, right, in the beginning, Genesis. And right here, I found it, right here in the beginning. It says, Genesis 126, it says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So male and female. So that means, ladies, you guys bear the image of God. Men, we bear the image of God. There's like this big like, connotation that we think like God is a man. Oh, that can't be true if we notice that males and females both bear his image. But that's a story for a different day. So I want to just point something out to you really quick. And this is going to be like super important for the rest of the night. And in verse 26, it says, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Who's our? Does anyone have any idea who us and our? Okay, Jesus Christ. Anyone else think what God means when he says in our image? Let us make man? What? Holy Spirit? Anything else? God. Okay, so what are those three equal? What are those three equal? The Trinity. Boom. So God exists as three persons in one, okay? Hard to understand, paradoxical. I get it. But this is very important, guys, because men and women, we share, we share qualities. But we have distinct qualities that complement each other. It's not that men are, men are, you know, better, women are better, battle of the sexes. No, men and women complement each other and provide a representation of the Trinity or the different qualities of God, right? We have God the Father, that's a quality of God. God the Son, that's a quality of God. God the Holy Spirit, right? That's the quality of God. So, so we bear these separately. And so that's why I don't want it to compare the two. I want to notice how men and women, we complement each other. Because God compliments himself. God is satisfied in himself. And for that reason, God said it's not good for man to be alone. Because women compliment so well, it's almost like he's incomplete by himself, men. Adam was there and he's like, God, can you send me someone like, I kind of want someone here like to be by my side to share life with. And he's like, yeah, let me make you someone. So he put uh, Adam under anesthesia and he took out one of his ribs and whoa, man. You got a woman. And so, thank you very much. I'll be here till Thursday. So, uh, but because of the fall of man, these parts of our image have been corrupted. The, our identities have been corrupted and not the way God originally intended them. So as we are sharing these points tonight, I want you to think about how these characteristics of men and how these characteristics of women, how our culture and society can use these for evil and corrupt God's original design. So tonight we're going to talk about the, the feminine side and the man side. And there are some things that sound like they're bad, but they were originally intended for good, and sin has corrupted those things. But, you know, I'm not going to stand up here and, uh, and talk about women because I don't know the first thing. So uh, to speak on behalf of you uh, feminine quality women, Rebecca is going to come up. So I'm going to, this time I'll invite Rebecca up. And she's going to come up, and she's going to share with you 
uh, the image that you ladies bear, because I probably wouldn't do a good job at this. And you don't want to get it from some weird bearded guy telling you what a man or what a woman of God should look like. So everyone give it to Rebecca. Yeah, that is awkward. Hey. on? Hello. Okay. Hi. <laughs> okay, so. Okay. Oh, you're on. There we go. <laughs> cool. Okay, so I basically kind of told the girls already a little bit about it, like, last Sunday, about what a woman of God should look like, but it's important for the guys to hear it, too, so you can kind of keep your eye out for what one is. <laughs> hey. Um, <laughs> so he already said um, the Genesis one about how God created you in his image, um, and it's in the beginning because he wants you to know that, like, you, he did create you in his image. So you're a reflection of him. Um, for women, um, I kind of defined it as God sees you as his perfect creations. It's not simply an outer beauty that he gave you, but an inner beauty that shines throughout you. A uh, woman of God is many things that he has intended for her to be. So he intended for you guys to be certain things that not necessarily like both men and women are. So he, want, he intended women to be supporters and encouragers. Um, to be listeners, um, to be a lover, to be gentle and humble, and um, just a few more things. And he wants you to use these things to help define your image so that people can see that you're a woman of God without actually having to say many words like, hey, I'm a woman of God. Um, So this is a kind of a cool Bible verse that goes along with it. It's 1 Timothy 4.12. It says, don't, look, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. So it doesn't matter what age you are. You can still be an example of a, what a godly woman is towards anybody. Um, and this is a good age for you when you're in high school because you're at that age where you're starting to grow up and figure out who you are. So um, it helps to learn what you can do to be more like a woman of God. Um, A woman of God also seeks and continues guidance and wisdom from God constantly, and it's an ongoing thing that she truly wants. So it's not just like one thing, like, okay, I'm done. I think I did it. It's like, it's an ongoing process, so it's something that you have to strive for. Yeah, I'm done. (laughs) Cool. Everyone give her a round of applause. That was, she did a great job. I was looking forward to that. I want to, I want to add one thing. Um, in, in uh, the book of Genesis, where God says, I'm going to create a helper, right? He, in English, the word helper. Um, ladies, when you translate that word from, uh, from English to Hebrew, the thing about English is it's such a bad, dull language. The he- Hebrew language is, is very full of different metaphors and descriptions. And the word that comes up for helper is Ezra Konegdo. I don't expect you to remember that. But people and scholars have been translating and like trying to see what this word means. And the closest they've gotten to what this word means, instead of helper, is lifesaver. That's pretty cool. Like, you guys are like the lifesavers to me. Yeah, you can applause for that. Good for you. Flower power, yeah? So the awesome thing, like what Rebecca was saying, is so, you guys are so supportive, especially when men are so, like, proud in our endeavors, and you're like, I'll support you 100%, you know. You support in the families, you know, the, the husband's decisions. You're there with him through everything, supporting him, encouraging him. 
you girls, you're also way better listeners than us men, for sure. And you have a lot more gentle and compassionate hearts than men do. And that's an awesome thing because men, we get so proud and so hard-hearted that sometimes it's hard for us to show compassion to other people. And the awesome thing about your guys' image is that God made you so compassionate and so merciful and gentle and so loving that there's nothing else on the planet. And actually, ladies, for you guys, God wasn't done creating the world until he finished you guys. You guys were the final touch on God's masterpiece creation. That's really cool because right after God made woman, he said, it's finished. Now it's complete. Now I can rest. My work of art is done. So you guys were like the cherry on top of God's crown of creation. So good for you on that one, ladies. So thanks, Rebecca, for sharing. Um, it was awesome. Men, let's, let's do this. I'm going to go fast. So men, we are conquerors. Just kidding. We're, we are conquerors by nature. We are. And sometimes, a lot of times, actually, our sin makes us a bad thing. But think about it. We conquer nature, Mount Everest. We conquer sports. What? Okay, I'm just saying. I was just, first thing came out of my head. But cool. Good for you. So we fight for nature. We, we try to conquer sports. We try to be the best in our sport. We also are trying to be conquerors for things for the kingdom of heaven. And so Matthew eleven twelve says this, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom, of he- the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and violent men take it by force. And violence, we are violent to go to, to win the wars and the battles that God has chosen us to fight. But of course, sin has corrupted that, and violence, we use it for bad and for evil instead of for good. And Jesus was a conqueror. He conquered sin and death. So, I mean, we are naturally conquerors. And we have been put in charge over all of God has made. God put it up to us. When, when Eve ate the apple, sin didn't enter the world. When Adam was right there and let her eat it, yeah, that's right. He let her eat it. He was right next to her. And Adam ate the apple, that's when sin entered the universe because Adam was in charge of the world. He was in charge. He was given dominion over it. But here's the thing. Our culture tells you you own things. The Bible says you're a steward over it. God created all of creation, and he put it under our control. So we have to be good stewards of it. We have to take care of it. And we also have to serve others because of that. We don't get served all the time because we own this world, men, because God owns this world. He's put us in charge of it. We have to bear the responsibility of that. And it's not something to be taken. And Jesus said... He came, to be, or he came to serve and not to be served. Almost mixed those up. That was bad. Jesus came to serve others, not to be served. God himself came down to serve other people. Men, we are put in charge of this, of this world so we can be responsible over it and take care of it and to serve other people. The other thing, men, we are not supposed to be lazy, right? Lazy boys, right? That's not the original design. I don't know who thought of those because they're a genius, but that's not the original design, right? Sports, sports games, potato chips. That, that doesn't exist. That sh- that's not, we were not supposed to be lazy. We were meant to work. And actually, I don't know if you noticed, but when you work really hard, don't you guys feel good like you've accomplished something? Like I worked really hard on this. I feel good regardless of the outcome, knowing I did my best. God put that intention, uh, that desire and intention in our heart. We were meant to work. In Genesis chapter 2, when God was creating the, uh, the earth, he noticed it said, God noticed there was no one to work the grounds. So he took him, Adam, and placed him in the garden. We were made to work, guys. But, of course, workaholics, you know, 
we neglect our families and our wives to, because we find satisfaction in our work. It's the bad part. So uh, we're conquerors. We've been put in charge, given dominion over God's thing. We're not supposed to be lazy, right? We're ever exploring and looking for new adventures. And women, you guys like following along on adventures, I would say, right? If you think about like romantic movies, like women, yeah, we're just going to go on this adventure with this man. It's going to be an awesome thing. But we're ever trying to explore things and push new boundaries and explore new ideas and everything. And this is really important, guys. Adam wasn't created in Eden. He was created outside in the wilderness and put inside of Eden. So he, God's like, here, look at this land I made. Go explore it. Name all the animals. Have fun, right? So we were made outside and put in. And that's where he formed woman, was inside the garden. God, uh, men, we are warriors at heart, and we look to fight battles for the cause of the kingdom of God, right? We are seeking to defend those who are weak, seeking justice and righteousness, not the other way around. We're not looking for battles to fight because we want to prove we're a man. We're seeking to battles for fight for the kingdom of God, for justice and righteousness. Epic. Way better than 300. I'll tell you that for sure. Look, Exodus 15.3. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Psalm 82. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Men, we are looking for battles to fight to advance the kingdom of God. Because kingdom, the kingdom of God is taken by, by force from us men. And finally, guys, a woman's true beauty comes from her heart. I hope, I hope you hear that. Because society tells you it doesn't. And that's not true at all. You'll know a woman of God when you see Jesus in her. When you see God through her eyes and you look in her and you see her true beauty comes from God. Her, her heart lies in God. And Joe said the other day, guys, a woman's heart should be so lost in God, you got to go through God to get this woman. That's how it should be. Women, your true beauty does not come from what this world tells you. You need to know that. Because this, the world tells you lies about your figure, about your appearance, about what you should look like, and that's not true. God sees you perfect and beautiful the way you are. And he redeemed you guys. And a lot of times you find your satisfaction and image and things where they don't belong, but that's not the case because you have a God who looks you in the eyes and the hearts and sees you as perfect and beautiful. And so men, take note of that because that's important when you're looking for a wife later. But what does that mean for us? Well, our strength comes from a heart of, that pursues God, right? It's not about bench press. Not about how much you can bench press. It's about the strength of your heart. And you could say, yeah, like it's the strength of your heart as like your character. That's cool. I'm talking about cardio. Because everyone knows rule number one of the zombie apocalypse is cardio. So while you guys are bench pressing, I'm on the treadmill getting ready. It's simple. I'm going to outlive you because I'm going to outrun you. Because my heart is stronger. So next time you want to do the bicep curls and the wrist curls, hit the treadmill. Okay? Because zombie apocalypse, you're going to be wiped out, men. Because your strength comes from your heart. I'm just joking. But I'm, I'm, I'm seriously, your strength as a man, doesn't come from how much you can lift. It doesn't. It comes from a heart that's in love with God. See, King David, after all the mess-ups King David had, he was a great king, but he messed up a lot. He was considered, he, had, he had, uh, was an adulteress. Like, what? And he was considered a man after God's own heart. He repented of that, and he knew where he, where he failed. But his strength and our strength, men, 
comes from a heart that is entwined with God's heart. And so this is for everybody. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at our outward appearance, but the Lord looks at our hearts. So your strength doesn't come from how much you bench press or lift or anything physical. Women, your beauty doesn't come from anything physical. 1 Peter, or yeah, 1 Peter, he writes in there, your beauty should not come from outward adornments, jewelry and clothing and whatnot. Your beauty should come from your heart. God is beautiful. God is strong. He's the defender of the weak. If you find your image in him, you, men, you will have the strength to conquer so many things in your life that your physical and mental toughness won't be able to help you with. And ladies, you'll find so much value from God, way more than you will find it from any man on this world, for sure. Because your beauty and strength comes from the heart. So what do we do now? I told you this information, right? We told you women, the the image you bear, and men, the image we bear. But I want you to understand something, both of us, both genders. Your identity is found nowhere else besides Christ. It's not. Satan will try to tell you a different thing. MTV, well, I don't like MTV. MTV will try to tell you in different ways where your identity lies. And see, Satan, he's called the great deceiver for a reason. Because he loves to attack your identity. See, because your identity drives everything you do. If your purpose and your identity lies in God, then everything you do is going to be for God, and that's scary to Satan. And he doesn't want that. So he's going to attack you at your identity, women. He's going to make you feel like you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough for the standards in the kingdom of God. That's a lie. Men, he's going to try to put you down and say, you can't handle this. You're not strong enough. He's trying to attack your identity. Think about it. When in Eden, when Satan comes as a serpent to Eve, what does he do? He makes her question God's identity. He says, God doesn't want that from you. God's lying to you. Why should you believe him? He attacks God's identity and deceives her. And so she falls and, and then gives it to Adam, and we know what happens for them to fall a man. See, in Job, too, in the book of Job, Satan tries to attack the identity of God by saying, I don't really believe you are justice and righteousness. And then, so we read in Job what happens, all these things happen to Job, but that's a different story. And then also, too, this is important, when Jesus was uh, 40 days fasting in the desert, and he was being tempted by God, or by, tempted by Satan, Satan said to him, if you are the son of man, you will do this. And Satan's going, prove it. I don't believe you. So Satan tries to get us at our identity. He makes us question God's identity. He makes us challenge our own identities too. And he wants to lie to you and tell you who you are, but it's not who you really are. See, because you bear the image of God. So God created man in his own image. So you bear God's image, ladies. Men, you bear God's image. You don't bear the image of sin. You don't bear the image of failure, of fear, of shame, or guilt, or anything else. You don't bear those. Those things are not your identity, guys. See, this is the beauty of the gospel, is even when your identity was lost, and even when your identity was corrupted, Jesus conquered those things 
so you would be restored to your original design. If I read Genesis chapter 2 as the blueprints and Genesis chapter 3 where the fall of man, something happened there where the original blueprint design is not the way it's supposed to be anymore. But that's the beauty of the gospel is you have been restored to your original design. You have been declared righteous. You have been redeemed and adopted as a child of God and his family. Nothing else defines you besides God. Your identity lies nowhere else in God. If you don't remember anything else I told you tonight because I was talking really fast, I want you to remember that because that's going to anchor your soul in times of temptation and trial. That no, 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 I am an image bearer of the creator of the universe. I can handle this. I can handle this. I'm worthy of this because God made a way for you through Jesus. He has restored our image. The image we corrupted, he's restored it. He paved the way for you to become a co-king and a co-queen with Jesus in the kingdom of God. Because before, without him, you couldn't. Your identity was corrupted. You weren't worthy to enter the kingdom of God. But because of Jesus, he says we are co-heirs to the throne. Because of Jesus, we are co-kings and co-queens with Christ, and we're going to reign with Jesus in his kingdom forever. And I want you to remember that. Your identity lies nowhere else besides in God. Think about it. Ask God when you pray to him, what do you think of me? I think, just a real quick example, there's a, one of my favorite movies, if not my favorite movie, is Gladiator, right? Yeah, man, movies, right? So Gladiator is one of my favorite movies. There's this guy... And uh, he's, he's next in line to be Caesar. Um, and he's a vile and evil man. Vile and evil man. But then we have Maximus, who's like the hero of the story. And Maximus is not an heir to the throne at all. But the, the king finds favor in him. Caesar finds favor in him, and he wants him to be. Well, we, we later find out in the movie that the, the son, Augustus, kills and murders his Caesar before he could declare Maximus as the rightful king. But Maximus, we know he's the true man in that story, right? And so sometimes when I'm being defeated by Satan and I'm being tempted and I'm failing and my fears and my failures have overcome me, I just go to God, what do you think of me? He says, you're Maximus, Colton. You're the hero of this story. And that to me, personally, that's what gets me through. Knowing that the maker of the universe sees me as a man of God. And he declares, no, 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 I don't care what anyone else has said to you. This is who you are. And so I want you to not worry about the cookie-cut standards to live into. I want you to become the man and woman God has destined you to be. Because everyone in this room will have a different path, a different destiny. But our purpose is the same. Our purpose is the same, to worship and love God forever, to be in his kingdom, to be his people forever. That's his desire. That's our purpose, but our paths will all change, and God is going to shape each and every single one of you into the image he designed you to be and intended for you to be, and he's made a way for you to embrace that image through Jesus. So let's pray.